Coming up on today's Daily Ding, the Clippers and Mavericks do not like each other. Plus, we've got all of your action from the first day of the NBA playoffs. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday morning. We've got all the great games and action from the first day of the NBA playoffs for the 2020 season. That's right, we made it to the playoffs and we finally got it. I'm Zach Harper, that's Dave Dufour, that's Brian Smith, dropping into pick and roll coverage against prime time perimeter scores. Dave, it's just a stupid idea, but before we get to that, the Mavericks, the Clippers, the ejections, the big shots, the turnovers, the controversial calls, we had it all in this one. Clippers 118, Mavericks 110 in the series, the 2-7 series in the Western Conference. Clippers take a 1-0 lead, and this was about defensive pressure. This was about all kinds of runs going on. This was about shooting. It was about a lot, but it was mostly about an awful ejection of Chris Tapp's Porzingis. He had two pretty weak technical fouls. I can actually understand the first one. You do get that from some guys when they punch the air after a call. We get that consistently. But the one, the second one that got him ejected, Dave, I mean, Kane Fitzgerald, I don't know what he's doing. He's an awful referee for one. But two, like, Chris Tapps went in there. He didn't instigate it further. He got in there to protect his main player, to protect Luka Doncic from Marcus Morris. Uh, not that he was going to get in a fight or anything, but he went in there to defuse the situation. Morris pushes him. They both get texts, and it's just a dumb ejection. It's the playoffs. These guys are competitive. You have got to just, as long as it de-escalates, you've got to just say, hey, we're going to move on. If they had kept going at each other, I can understand sure. it. Because, you know, there is a line that you need them to stay behind. But Morris and, and Luca even went off to the side, cleared the air. It was all fine. Everybody was good and ready to move on. And then these texts come. And, you know, you just get to the point where you have to start thinking the referees lose sight of the forest for the trees. The forest is the game. Their job is to preserve that game, which is a television show. Why are you throwing off one of the main actors? Right, exactly. So Patrick Mahomes didn't like it. We had some NBA players who really hated it. LeBron James tweeted, man, that was all caps bogus as hell, man. Come on, man. Face palm emoji. Kevin Love, you can't eject Chris Stapps for that. Protecting the Mavs' best player. That's bad. Spencer Dinwiddie, no ejection in the playoffs, man. There's no defense of it, right? Like no. even like you're right. If it's not like this thing was escalating, it's not like it was going about anything that was about to lead to a fight a few minutes later. Like there was nothing going on in this game, and it's just an overreaction. And once again, Dave, like I think the bubble has been great for a lot of things for the refs and a lot of these technical fouls. I think that quiet gym is really bad for this stuff. It has clearly thrown them off. I actually have thrown the idea out there that maybe they should have uh, earplugs or something so that they can't hear all this contact that they wouldn't normally call. And I just think everyone that watches basketball, whether you're a fan or an analyst or a reporter, we just want it to be consistent, right? That's the main thing. Swallow the whistle equally for both teams, but in particular, in these games that actually matter, just relax. Take a beat. Talk them down. De-escalate. Don't just come out throwing out technicals. You know, you said that the first technical is a common one. It is. I don't think it should be. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think it should in be. In this but game, though. In this game. They did put an emphasis on it. But Luca made the exact same play that Porzingis made. A block. A clean block that was incorrectly called a foul. Did the exact same punch the air on the foul call. Did not get a technical. So is the league going to go back and give Luca? A technical? Because according to the way that game was officiated, he deserves one. 
And so I, I just think that when you have calls that are so nebulous, which technical fouls are, referees getting their feelings hurt should not be a reason to give someone a technical. And that's clearly what it was with the first Porzingis thing. The second one, I really think the referee just overreacted in the moment. We're all human beings, and I can understand, but you just have to, you know, time and, and presence. You need to know where you are and what the situation is. Yeah, but so I, I want to add that punch in the air thing was an emphasis like four years ago, right? And remember when flops were an emphasis and we had flop warnings and flop texts and flop, you know, uh, fines. Remember guys hanging on the rim? Right, hanging on the all that stuff, right? But it, it's funny because I don't even think you can say Kane Fitzgerald got caught up in the moment because he went and reviewed it before he gave the tech. <laughs> right, right. Right? Oh, man. I forgot. I had cut out the replay. Yeah, they went They went and checked it out because there was a bit of an altercation, which they are supposed to do. And he went and watched that multiple times and decided, oh, yeah, Chris Stapps needs a tech. It's just egregious. We can't get Adam Silver on those replays during the playoffs. I mean, there's one game, man. Just get on the phone and say, no, no technicals. Uh, one would think. Play on. One would think. So, but it was a great game. It was a great game. W- with it that. Fantastic game. It's a fun matchup. It would have been nice to see Chris Tapps get to play more than the 20 minutes. Uh, he had 14 points and six rebounds before being ejected. Luca, 42 points, most in a playoff debut. Most points in a playoff debut. 13 to 21 from the field, 14 to 15 from the free throw line, uh, nine assists, seven rebounds, three steals. But Dave, 11 turnovers. It was rough, Oof. and it was rough early. You know, he had a bunch of turnovers right away with the pressure defense. Yeah, he had five Beverly almost instantly, right? He tweaked his ankle and had to leave the game, and he came back. And, you know, it was one of those things like, you know how LeBron will, will turn an ankle, and he just, like, stomps his foot a couple of times and, like, tightens his shoe? I don't know if Luka did that or what, but he came back, and he just looked like a different player. He was more calm. He was doing what we've seen him do all year, where he's inviting that pressure, inviting that double hoping that they come up and meet him high so he can give the ball up. Unfortunately, the Mavs early on just weren't making the Clippers pay. And then all of a sudden, after that 18-2 run, the Mavs just said, okay, we're going to just hit every shot now. Yeah, I mean, they, they went on, after, after going down 18-2, as you mentioned, they went on a 48-18 to run. Like, I mean, they just went nuts. They started hitting threes left and right. Luka was really good. Um, Seth Curry stepped up. Tim Hardaway Jr. stepped up. Michael K. Gilchrist <laughs> was shooting. It's the first time he's hit two threes in a game since April of 2019. I, I looked this up because he doesn't do it often. Honestly, Dave, if you had asked me when's the first time he did it, I would have said tonight. Like, I would have never thought he had done it before. He did it twice in the 18-19 season. The first time is was October. So it was six months. Wow. And then and then over a year. All right. So, you know, I think the officiating is going to cloud this one because of the Chris Tapps ejection, because it, it, it did seem like the Clippers were getting away with more physicality than the Mavericks. But this is probably comes down to one Kawhi Leonard, who I actually didn't think looked very good in this game. And then I go I go and look at the box score, which you know, 29 points on 11 of 21 shooting. He had 12 rebounds, six assists, three steals, only three turnovers. Like I, I looked at that. I was like, I just don't feel like he got to spots tonight that he wanted to, but I guess it didn't matter. Every spot is the spot he wants to be in. Yeah, he was, and you know, single game plus minus, not a great indicator. He was plus 18 in a game. They won by eight points. And I feel like that matches the eye test because he was just this steadying presence for them. You know, Paul George, had some big shots. He he actually wound up sealing the game with yeah, like 42 seconds left. Yeah, and, and I think that obviously, you know, no-brainer analysis here, but if the Clippers are going to make a title run, it's going to be because Kawhi and Paul George are the two best players on the court. Now tonight, 
I think Kawhi and Paul George were slightly better than Luka, but just because he started out so rough. I mean, if it wasn't for that first three or four minutes, we probably have a completely different picture of what this game looks like from Luka. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marcus Morris, though, not just for the ejection of Chris Tapsworth, but he hit big shots. Like He was really good in this game. He got a bunch of steals. He had 19 points, hit three threes, 8 of 13 from the field, 6 rebounds, 4 steals. I mean, that's why they picked him up, right? So they got him, I, I truly believe, because he has done pretty well against LeBron. He's a big body. He's got good feet. Somehow doesn't really foul a lot while still being physical. And you know Doc loves that. And that's that Kevin Garnett stuff, right? But they may have stumbled onto something with his ability to guard Luka. I didn't think he would be able to do it as well. You know, because Luka's not quite as physical as LeBron, so you can't get away with as much. But Marcus Morris was fantastic tonight. And like you said, 19 points out of him, that's a huge deal. I, I doubt that they're going to lose a lot of games where he gives them more than 15 points. I mean, I think that what a great signing. And wow, you stumbled onto something because Pat Beverly cannot guard Luka. No, 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 no. He's just not big enough. And he, he's good, but he's he's not that guy. Last note I have for the Clippers, Montrez Harrell, first game back. I don't know what you would expect from him, but he was not good, right? Like he just looked all over the place. He had six points in 15 minutes. But it's just going to be kind of weird, Dave, because he's going to have to get into shape playing playoff games. I think that while he looked out of basketball shape, he didn't look heavy, which some guys have looked heavy in the bubble. Uh, I, he didn't look like when you just saw him sitting on the bench or, or getting up and running or whatever. He didn't look like he had put on any weight. He just definitely doesn't have his basketball legs under him. They're going to need him probably in this series, to be honest with you. They need someone that can, that can come off the bench and score and put pressure on the Dallas bench because the Dallas bench tonight, I mean, Seth Curry was great. Trey Burke was great. Boban plus five in 13 minutes, you know, unleash Boban, please. But Harold can put some pressure on them. And I honestly think Lou Williams looked better in the second half because Harold looked a little bit more loose. Yeah, absolutely. And they just, they're going to need that whole depth. That's the whole thing this whole year has been about when they're healthy and when they have their full rotation. Well, they've only had it for like 11 or 12 games and they've only lost one of those games. That was to the Lakers. So they're definitely going to need everybody uh, if they want to make that first title run. Nuggets 135, Jazz 125 in overtime. Oh, my God. This was a fun one. Donovan Mitchell sets a Jazz playoff record with 57 points. And, Dave, it was an efficient 57 points. It was a destructive 57 points. But Jamal Murray went right back at him. He scored 36 in this one, and he was fantastic, especially down the stretch, especially in overtime. And so my biggest notes from this one is these are just two bad defensive teams. Right, like like Denver's been the worst defensive team in the bubble. Utah has been just a shell of its former self defensively, especially in the last half of the season and in the bubble. Like I just I have no confidence in either of these teams. I swear to God, Dave, if they just go under picks and drop coverage against these three point shooters one more damn time in this series, like I'm just looking at this. These are layups for these dudes. Just layups for Jamal Murray because Rudy Gobert is playing back. Layups for Donovan Mitchell because none of these guys can stay with him. Like it's just it was such bad defense, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. The Nuggets went 22 of 41 from three. So 53.7%. Jamal Murray was six of nine and just was unconscious. He was shooting everything. You mentioned Mitchell. This was his best game as a pro. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, yeah, the 57 points. I actually said that when he was around the 30-point mark. 
that this was the best game I'd seen from him. He was doing everything. He had nine rebounds, seven assists. His defense was on par with everyone else in the game, so it was awful. But at the same time, the way he controlled the offensive flow was actually stalling out Denver's defense here and there. You know, he just he just threw them off their game so much. And, you know, if, if this is the Mitchell that Utah has, they might have a chance in this series because Denver has no answer defensively. Michael Porter Jr. wound up only playing 12 minutes in the second half of this game and none in overtime, despite the fact that he is a walking bucket because he could not guard. When you are so bad that you can't guard for the Denver Nuggets, you know it's bad. They were hunting him out. Every single time. They, if they could put him and Jokic in action on the defensive end at any point together, they were doing it. Like they, The Nuggets tried to get Jeremy Grant onto coverage of, of Mitchell as much as they could, but he was just he was so calm. I, I'm with you. It's not just the fact that he had 57 points. Obviously, 57 points is ridiculous, but he was so calm and so poised in being patient to find the right moments to attack. Like He was just so good getting into the paint getting around the basket, had his little floater going. Like, he was unbelievable. And, you know, Denver, like, Torrey Craig's a nice defender. He's not good enough to stay with Donovan Mitchell. He's just not. He, oh, yeah. And, and they're getting him off him, you know, consistently. And and if Gary Harris isn't out there, this game was essentially a coin flip, and it went Denver's way because they scored 20 points in overtime. But I'm with you. Like, if Donovan's going to be this kind of an attacker, obviously he's not going to average 50 points in the series, but this kind of an attacker, yeah, Utah has a better chance than maybe I thought they would. Now, I don't think you can pull Torrey Craig from the starting lineup. He's too no, important no, for no, them, especially offensively. But you've got to find – like you might have to put Jamal Murray on Mitchell and, and just deal with him getting roasted here and there because you need Torrey Craig at, at both ends, but especially on the offensive end. He gets baited into fouls too easily. And Donovan Mitchell, he was 13 of 13 from the line tonight. I mean, that's not a coincidence. Torrey Craig fouled out in 21 minutes, and it's because Mitchell is so good – at baiting the defender into reaching. It's not quite James Harden, but I could see him getting there in a couple of years. He's got that kind of patience and timing. And Torrey Craig is a very easy guy to bait into fouls. This is kind of his M.O. And it was pretty clear that the scouting report was right about him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dave, look, I know I end up coming off as the anti-Jokic guy and everything, right? But there was a play in which Joe Ingles just walked past him with the ball. From the three-point line and got a layup. There was a play in which Rudy Gobert just walked past him with the ball and got a layup. It was layup. in the first quarter. Yes. Zach, it was in the first quarter. Yeah. And I actually, I physically threw my hands up in the air because it, I was just like, listen, if this is the sort of resistance Jokic is going to give inside, you just got to feed Rudy all day. Rudy took two dribbles from the free throw line and went unimpeded to the basket and Jokic was in the paint. He was in the paint. And so, and so, like, those two plays were funny to me. But then, on the other end, and I think Amin Al-Hassan pointed this out with, with a video on Twitter, is that they're coming up in transition, and Jokic sets a, a screen on whoever was guarding Jamal Murray, and Gobert has just dropped, like, 15 feet. Like, I know Jamal Murray isn't exactly Steph Curry, but he's a good enough shooter and scorer where you can't give him that wide open of a shot. Well, even worse is that if he's bad early and you're just letting him walk into him, He's going to get hot late. And in this game, he was good early. He had 14 points in the first half. Yeah, like, he was good. It was pretty clear he was going to have one of the good Jamal Murray nights. And, and half of the game plan for beating the Nuggets is to keep Jamal Murray as bad Jamal. You want the Jamal Murray who's over-dribbling, dribbling the ball off his foot, falling down in, in traffic, throwing the ball away. 
chucking shots against tight defense. You don't want the guy who's gaining confidence early on by being able to take open jumpers. And so drop coverage against him just doesn't work. Now, I wonder how much of that has to do with losing Mike Conley and maybe they just don't feel comfortable with their defense. I mean, both of these teams, it was a really weird game from a pace standpoint, I felt. The pace was slow given the final score. I mean, 135-125, even with overtime, you still would think, wow, they were getting after it. But it was a 94 pace, really slow game. The scoring was just both teams were incredibly efficient. I mean, 51.6% overall for the Nuggets, 47.4% for the Jazz. There was absolutely no defense played in this game, but nobody was in a hurry. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was just a hyper-efficient offense. Uh, Jeremy Grant was fantastic off the bench once again. Monty Morris was fantastic off the bench. Uh, And then the one thing I guess Utah did that I do like the strategy is Jokic didn't have a ton of assists, right? He had three assists in this game. They turned into more of a score. I do think that's what you have to do, but you just can't let Jamal Murray walk into jumpers if you're going to do that. (laughs) Absolutely, because Jokic doesn't even really want to shoot. If you notice, he has a tendency to take so many shots in the second half. Like He has the nice third quarter, early fourth quarter takeover time that he's very well known for during the regular season. And so the goal is to make him do that stuff even earlier because their offense is is fumbling a little bit. But yeah, like you said, Jamal Murray, like he's too good of a player to just be able to walk into wide open threes. Let's get into the news. Not much news in this one, but Gordon Hayward, which we'll talk about in a little bit, did hurt his ankle in the win over the Sixers. It's a sprained ankle, according to Brad Stevens. They don't know the severity, but he is in pain, and there was some swelling. ESPN reports that Hayward is going to get an MRI later on Monday to determine the severity of the injury, so hopefully not too bad. And then we had some draft lottery update and tiebreaker news. Dave, get excited. Thursday night is the draft lottery. The Kings finally get a win. They'll be the 11th slot. (laughs) After they get the tiebreaker over the Pelicans and then the Sixers, the uh, who was it? The Sixers, the Rockets, and the Jazz were kind of all jumbled up there. The Sixers got the 21st pick, Houston got the 22nd, and the Jazz will receive the 23rd pick in that one. All right, Dave, let's get into that Gordon Hayward injury and the Celtics game. Celtics 109, Sixers 101. Look, this is just going to come down because there's no Ben Simmons. Can Joel Embiid get the ball enough to put enough pressure on Boston to win that series, to win games, win that series? And at times he got it early and he didn't get it late. And it's just a huge, huge black eye on the Sixers that they can't figure this out. It's a tough task, to be honest with you. You know, Joel needs to get the ball. He is your best offensive player. But at a certain point, other guys have to be able to do stuff. So you can't just say, dump it into Joel every single time. He also doesn't have the stamina for that. I mean, by the fourth quarter of this game, he was completely gassed. And you need him on the defensive end. You know, the Celtics are small. They don't attack the basket a ton. But you can't just give up the open looks that they do get at the basket. Like, you've got to have Joel in there. And so it's a tough task, right? Like, how do you balance making sure that you feed him enough? I'm going to say right now, 15 shots out of your best player is not enough. Now, he did go 9-12 from the free throw line. That's fantastic. But you got to find a way to do something with Joel, especially when they're running all these dribble handoffs, and essentially he's just a forgotten man in the play once he gives up the ball. they got to find 
creative ways to get him buckets and preferably some easy ones. And he does fade a little bit as he's in those plays, right, with the dribble handoffs. He doesn't get it right away. He kind of fades a little bit, and he needs to maybe demand the ball and establish himself a little bit better. Uh, maybe that's conditioning. Maybe that's the ankle. I don't, I don't really know, but he does seem to fade away a little bit. But you know what else would help, Dave? If Tobias Harris did anything. 15 points on 15 shots. Come gonna, on. Like, I know, done, I know the Celtics have great perimeter defenders. Tatum can go, you know, now like he's developed into a good defender. Jalen Brown's an awesome defender. Marcus Smart could defend Tobias Harris a little bit, right? Like they have guys, but come on, you've got to be better than that. This is why you sign this guy to a max contract. You know, they're not even asking him to defend right? or anything. It's not like go guard Jason Tatum. No, man, like we need you. You got to get us 20 points. That's it. And I know I'm saying that like it's so easy to just go score 20 points in an NBA game. But that's literally but his job, Dave. Like that's, that's right. That's his role. Yeah, you got to do that because what happens is the rest of their offense opens up. All of a sudden, Joel Embiid, a little bit more open. What was happening in this game for Embiid? He would get the ball, and the second he would put it on the floor, the Celtics were able to send that second man. They were able to trap, get the ball out of his hands, or force him into some bad looks. Well, if Tobias Harris is scoring, you can't do that because you can't help off Tobias. But if he's not going to be a threat, why guard him at all? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, he has to establish himself more. Josh Richardson hit a couple of shots in this game. Shake Milton and Alec Burks were were good role players in this game. But this is, I mean, it's got to be Embiid more. He was pretty bad in the fourth quarter, one of five. But he needs more than five shots in that quarter. And then just Tobias, if he showed up at all, that'd be great. Tatum was phenomenal. Like, Tatum was such a superstar in this game. 32 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks. Jalen Brown complimented him with 29 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals. Like, I don't know that you can count on 60 points a night from these two, but if they give you anything close to that, not only are they going to beat the Sixers, Dave, they might beat the Raptors because that's actually a pretty good matchup for them. I mean, listen, Jason Tatum has a chance to be the best player in every series until he meets the Bucks. He was a better player tonight than Embiid, and Embiid Absolutely. clearly overall is a better player. You know, you look at the body of work, but I thought in this game Tatum was the better player, 32 and 13. I mean, this guy is a multi-level scorer. He can do everything you want. He can do it off the dribble. Oh, and he's probably going to make all NBA defense this year. Needless to say, Embiid has to be the best player for the Sixers to win, but Tatum doesn't have to do that for the Celtics to win because Jalen Brown is there. Hayward was playing okay until he got hurt. Kemba had 19, you know, looking much better coming off that knee injury. The Celtics, I, I still worry about their depth in the middle because teams can go big against them and really hurt them. We saw what Embiid was able to do, especially early. Other teams have more. I mean, the Raptors have Ibaka and Gasol that you have to worry about. So I do think that they have got limitations because of that. But they are so well balanced and and get so much production from their entire rotation that Tatum, it's almost like the pressure is off of him. But if he's going to put up 30 a night, the Celtics could make a run to the finals. Yeah, they could. I mean, I the Hayward injury will be will be tough. We'll see what that is. But honestly, like Dave, I don't think they need him for the rest of the series. Now he made things a little difficult for Al Horford throughout this game because Horford was tasked with with defending him quite a bit. Even though I thought Al did a a pretty decent job on him at times. Yeah, he was but, pretty good. But I don't think they need him. I really don't. Like I think they can get by without without Hayward. Just let him rest that ankle and try to get him treatment as much as possible. Because without Ben Simmons out there. The Celtics just, look, they, they do a good job taking care of the ball anyway, but without Simmons out, out there being disruptive, none of these guys, I mean, I think they had, what, seven turnovers tonight? Like, they like they were just seven so turnovers. good with the ball. Yeah. 
Yeah, and not only that, but they were great at creating turnovers and then turning those into scoring opportunities. They forced 18 sixer turnovers. They got 18 fast break points. Not a one-to-one, but they were putting pressure on the Sixers and, and making them pay. You know, I think that losing Hayward, it is obviously a loss. He's a starter for them. And he was giving Horford, uh, he was trying to give Horford fits off the dribble, but he clearly didn't have any bursts. So, like, he was more of a spot up threat, I thought, in this game and just pulling Horford out. But now you're going to have to find someone to replace those minutes. They're already struggling for bigs, and now they've got to figure out someone who can play on the wing. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Grant Williams moving into the starting lineup. Maybe it could be Marcus Sem- Smart. Maybe Semi gets extra minutes, right? Like maybe I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean they they did have they did have zero bench production in this game. I mean almost nobody did anything. Maybe you could slide Tice down and, and start Robert Williams, but then that's tough because you know Rob had four fouls in thirteen minutes. Like he loves to foul. Only thing he likes more than fouling is lo- catching lobs. So. I, I just think that they've got some decisions to make. Grant Williams could even get the call. Who knows? But luckily, Horford is just no threat at all. And so whoever you put out there could probably guard him. All right, one more game from Monday. Raptors 134, Nets 110. Nets did cut it to like eight points in the in the second half in the third, fourth quarter, but the Raptors pulled away because it's the Raptors against the Nets. Raptors were dynamite from three 22 of 44 from three-point range 32 of 33 from the free throw line look Dave we don't have to put too much into this one I guess like based on what we saw do you think the Nets have a chance of stealing a game in this series no probably not this might have been their chance when they started that comeback because it did look like Toronto sort of took their foot off the gas but the second they got it to eight Toronto was just like no that's enough and, and put them away I mean Van Vliet was just unconscious he went eight of ten from three 30 points had 11 assists and he's not even a a big assist guy the Raptors are rolling right now and you we talked about this on buds they had the best defense in the bubble like they didn't come here to just roll over I I think that they actually have some points they want to make you know this is a, a defending champ where a guy who left gets the bulk of the credit for their championship and I know these guys are pretty proud I mean Kyle Lowry is the leader of this team Man, they're gonna so come out he was he was amazing. And so, you know, I think they're coming out. They're trying to to show everyone that they mean business. If they're going to play like this during the playoffs, and I know it's the Nets and they're a G League team. They're a great story because it's a bunch of young guys really trying hard. But this was a statement game. They could have just kind of taken it easy and still won. They won by 24 points. I think it means something. I think this is going to be a sweep, and, and I think that I wouldn't want to play them in the second round. Pascal Siakam still uh, shot under 40% in the seeding games. He wasn't good tonight offensively, except he got to the free throw line. Any concern that he's that he's not scoring well yet? Not yet. I still think like they have enough production that they don't need it out of him yet. But by the next round, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll start to have concerns. Round, for yeah. sure, yeah. Big games coming up on Tuesday. Bucks take on the Magic in the first game of the 1-8 series. Magic looking to avoid being swept, of course. Then we got Heat and the Pacers giving us the 4-5 showdown with that important continuation of Jimmy Butler versus TJ Warren. Will we get fireworks, Dave? No, definitely not. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be TJ Warren Will is we get not going to guard. Oh, we're going to get a ton okay, of that. I'll take that. Because <laughs> Jimmy Butler is going to guard TJ Warren, but TJ Warren is absolutely not guarding Jimmy Butler. TJ Warren has slid up with Sabonis being out. I don't think we're going to really get that matchup on the other end at all. And plus, Jimmy Butler is not even shooting jump shots. 
All right, speaking of people who don't like each other, Chris Paul and James Harden face off in the battle of some old teammates in the third game of the day with Rockets Thunder. And then the Blazers and those scrappy underdog Lakers give us the 8-1 matchup in the last game of the night. Wenyan Gabriel will get the start for the Blazers because of the Zach Collins ankle injury. Dave, can LeBron and Anthony Davis find a way to gut out a 1-0 series lead? I mean, listen, the Lakers just squeaked into the playoffs when no one, no one thought they were going to make it. Zach, I thought that they were going to be looking at the number one pick in the draft this year, but somehow they made it. They somehow made it from number one pick They're to sweep number the one seed. Come on. Yeah, it's going to be pretty brutal, but hopefully, <laughs> it's Dame a wrap. Will, hopefully Dame will put on a show. That's going to do it for today's Daily Ding. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We had a fun Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show. Of course, no dunks. You got to check out House of Strauss. You got to check out all the team specific shows from your favorite athletic beat writers. Follow on the app, get notifications for new episodes, and use the comment section for podcasts. No one else does that. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the Athletic. Thanks for waking up with us. Make sure you wear a mask. Make sure you stay socially distanced. And please watch those NBA games. Dave, hit us with a sign off. Ding ding.